Gale's open, they're away in the Golden Slipper, there's a great start, and Mick Mitt Basque on the extreme outside is about the first out, Jeff Boyle. Yagler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front, Jagler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit, the Jagler. This Iron podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. With a freakish rain event changing the profile of the Sydney Autumn Carnival, the championships won't get underway until the 10th of April. Good luck to the trainers who now have to fine-tune the work regimes of their horses to compensate for the unavoidable change of dates. Day one of the championships will be well worth waiting for, with Group 1 highlights, the star Doncaster, the TJ Smith, the Australian Derby, and the Inglis Sires Produce Stakes. The much-anticipated half-million-dollar New Haven Park Country Championship final will see the Bushies given their chance to strut their stuff on the big stage at Royal Randwick on day one. Let's hope Sydney turns on her best autumn weather for the championships now commencing on the 10th and continuing through the 17th and the 24th of April. Day two will feature the Longines Queen Elizabeth Stakes the Swept Sydney Cup, the Australasian Oaks, the Coolmore Legacy and the Polytrack Provincial Championship Final. The championships will wind up on the 24th with the Swept's All-Age Stakes and the Moaton Shondon Champagne Stakes. Racing New South Wales and the Australian Turf Club proudly present the Championships 2021. Female jockeys' rooms are so crowded at some country meetings these days that the late arrivals sometimes have to stash their gear in the outside corridor. Perhaps the most prolific concentration of girls can be found in the northern regions of New South Wales, where Michaela Weir is one of an increasing number of talented riders. Michaela was a late starter in the professional riding ranks, She spent all of her teen years in the rodeo world, competing successfully in activities like calf roping and steer undecorating, and she actually broke in some of the horses she used in that competition. In order to cover the expenses incurred in her rodeo involvement, Michaela took a job as a stable hand with Kembla trainer Kerry Parker. She didn't actually ride a racehorse for about a year but from the first moment she sat astride a thoroughbred, her fate was sealed. She had just turned 21 when she was signed up as an apprentice by Hunter Valley trainer Todd Howlett, an apprenticeship that terminated only a few weeks ago. Michaela rode 260 winners during that apprenticeship, 12 of them in the metropolitan area. She's held in high regard by a large number of trainers on the mid and far north coast and on the New South Wales tablelands. She's had a massive week, but has been kind enough to find time to talk to us on a good Friday morning. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Michaela. Thank you for having me, John. Michaela, country jockeys have to contend with massive mileage. Now, you live 15 minutes on the Sydney side of Jerry's Plains, about an hour from Scone. Now, let's take this last week, day by day. Sunday the 28th of March, you were at the Wellington Boot Meeting. How long did it take to get there? Uh, Wellington's about three and a half hours. Goodness me. 
<laughs> now, you had three rides on that program. Yeah. And you rode a winner, horse called Nick Tock, for Mark Connors, so that eased the pain a little. Yeah, it definitely does, especially riding a winner. And you ran second on another one for Mark too on the day. Yeah, Dylan's romance, he ran second in the cup. It was actually a huge run and went really well. So it was it was a great day. Monday the 29th, you had six rides at Grafton. Now that's only a leisurely little trip from your place, six hours. <laughs> yes, yeah, six hours. Goodness me. You travel by yourself mainly? Yeah, most of the time I do, yes, unless someone needs a lift. Mm. Well, again, you rode a winner on a horse called Pressing Matters for Robert Knight, so it was financially viable, but then you yes. had to turn around and drive six hours home. What time did you get home? Um, I got home just after 12.30. Right, so probably one o'clock before you hit the sack. Yes, exactly, yeah. Oh, dear. Now, that's, that's a total of 12 hours in the car and seven race rides all up, a massive workload. Yeah, it was a big day Monday. It certainly was. So what do you do on Tuesday? You go to Newcastle. A light day, though, only a couple of rides. Yes. Um, I didn't have to ride work that morning either, so I had a bit of a sleep in and um, fed up at home and did a few jobs at home and then headed down to the races. Mm. Now, Wednesday was an interesting one. You didn't go to a race meeting, but you did go to the Scone Trials where 20 trials were conducted. Yes. And I couldn't believe it when I looked at the results. You rode in 11 of those trials. Yes, it was a pretty busy morning. I'll say. <laughs> anyway, just to prove there were no hard feelings, the following day, Thursday, off you go again to Coffs Harbour. How long? Uh, Coffs is about four and a half, so... um. I had to ride work yesterday morning. I had to gallop a couple for Todd at Musselbrook. So um, mm. it's 45 minutes up to Musselbrook and then turn around, come home 45 minutes and then have a quick shower and jump in the car and head to Coffs. And five rides there and no winners. No, no. I was very unlucky not, not to win one. I ran a close second. But um, mm. anyway, that that's how it goes. Mm. You must get very, very tired. Oh, to be honest, I don't. Um, I don't get that tired. People always ask me how I do it, um, and I'm. I am probably one of the strange people that do enjoy driving. I, I find that you know we're we're talking to people all day, every day, on the phone or you know at the races, and I actually really like getting in the car and just and just zoning out and it being my own time and my own space. Mm. Um, and you know I do listen to podcasts and music and stuff, and it, and because I don't live near my family, I, I always call home and speak to my grandparents or my mum and mm. just sort of use that time wisely. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not one that really gets sick of driving or, you know, overly tired. I, I just I enjoy it. Mm. So that's how you handle it. Yep, that's exactly how I handle it. <laughs> you were born and reared on the south coast at Albion Park near Wollongong and you were an only child. Mum yes. is Gail and your dad was Mick. Yes. Your mum was right into show horses, so it was no surprise when you showed an equine interest from a pretty early age. Now, how did the rodeo involvement start? Um, when I was younger, I um, I did a little bit of polo cross and, and camp drafting and um, 
a few things like that. And I went to a, um, a camp draft at Tumut and there was a rodeo on at the time and my mum was talking to these people and they actually had a, a bar racing horse for sale. Mm. And um, I went and the, they, he was at Picton. So we went up there and seen him and my mum bought him for me and um, and it just went on from there. I, I won numerous junior titles on him um and and as as I progressed you know I, I bought new horses and, and I started training my own and um it just kept going up and up and I've I ended up going to America three times to represent Australia bow racing and roping mm. um so it, yeah it's been a it was a good journey and um I ended up with a, a horse called um Ned Kelly and mm. He was a he was a, a really good horse. I only had him for two years, and he took me all over Australia, won a lot of titles, a lot of money, and um, he ended up getting a um, a nail through the bottom of his foot that mm. um, hit his navicular, pedal bone, and tendon bursa. Mm. And um, I actually lost him. And then that's when um, I was training a lot of young horses because I didn't have a, a good horse to compete on. So I was um, just sort of trying to to find my next best horse and training a lot and breaking in a lot uh, for not only myself but other people and um, I, I ended up getting the job with uh, with Kerry and um, as soon as as soon as I started writing work after he he let me I had to pester him for about twelve months mm. and. Um, and then it sort of went on from there. But losing that horse uh, really pushed my hand to to the thoroughbreds and racing side of it because mm. it just broke me. And um, and then once I, I found the love for, for racing, it, it was just a whole different game. There was no turning back. Just before we leave the rodeo, Michaela, yeah. you yes. told me that steer undecoration was one of your favourite pursuits and that was completely foreign to me, like many of our <laughs> listeners. What is steer undecoration? Um, so it's it's um, you're on your own horse, there's a steer in the chute and you have a hazer and the hazer is uh, someone else on another horse um, and when you're ready, you nod your head, um, you come out with your cattle and you've sort of got to read, you've got to be able to read cattle to know, you know, when to go and, you right upsides the the cow and and um, undecorate it, which is a ribbon that's glued onto its back, and you pull it off. And as you pull it off, that's when the time stops. Mm. Um, I did a like I did a fair bit of it. It was more, um, you know, I used to do it because it was fun, and my partner had the horse for me to do it. And mm. um, but bow racing was my main thing. That's what, uh, yeah, I, I I loved bow racing and. Um, that side of things, I've still got a lot of um, horses here at, at my own property that I've kept and mm. even gotten going while I've been race riding. And um, I've actually bred two mares this year to um, an American sire that there isn't a foal on the ground yet in Australia. So mm. I've actually imported the straws and I've, I have tested positive to um, she's in foal to him. So that's pretty mm. exciting to bring out something new to Australia. So I'm looking forward to that this year. But it, it's mm. still rodeos and bar racing still holds a very soft spot mm. um, for me. And, and I think, you know, once later on down the track and I've got some nice horses that, that I've bred, I, you know, I might be able to go back and do a couple here and there when um, I'm not riding as much or, you know, just mm. later on. So that's the plan. You met your partner, Jock Bone Langdon, at the Cooma Rodeo eight or nine years ago, and with so much in common, 
it's not surprising that a relationship followed. Now, a little bit of research tells me that Jock is a professional cowboy and is a multiple Australian champion in several pursuits. According to um, the information I read, he's right in the top bracket. Yes, he certainly is. Um, Jock, uh, calf ropes, he steer wrestles, he team ropes, um, he picks up for the bronc riders and he also is um, a bullfighter, which he's, he's very good at. Um, he can do anything and like, like you said, he's, he's a multiple Australian champion title holder in a lot of events. Um, he's actually at Sydney Show at the moment competing down there and he won last night's round, which was the first round. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, he's he um, has a lot of sponsors that pay for his fuel and pay for his clothing and his horses feed. Um, and you know, when, when um, COVID hit, it really hurt him. He didn't really know what to do. Mm. Um, but you know, he works full time. Um, but then over wet weekend, it's it's rodeos or practicing, and it doesn't stop for him either. Mm. And during the week, he's a miner. Yes, yeah, he works in Musselbrook um, and he's he's a plant mechanic by trade, um, but he's doing a little bit of supervising at the moment, so he's pretty busy with work. Mm. We'll yeah. talk later about the property you and Jock are developing in the Hunter Valley, but firstly, yeah. let's find out how you became a jockey. Now, you've already explained that you spent a year or more on the ground working for Kerry Parker at Kembla Grange before he finally put you on a racehorse in track work. You must have driven him mad, did you? Oh, it, it was, yeah. Um, he, I got the job for a friend of mine that actually broke in for Kerry. Um, I was working in a cafe at the time and um, they were closing down, so I needed another job. And uh, Kerry took me on as a stable hand and... Um, I, I, I loved it. I, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. I, I loved working on the ground. Um, and then I just said to Kerry one day, I said, do you reckon I could get my track work license? I said, you know, just to change it up a bit. And I love to ride a few of the babies and stuff because with my own horses, I really enjoyed babies and getting them going and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he said, no. And I said, why? <laughs> and he said, um, because I can just say you want to be an apprentice. And I said, no, I, I don't think so. You know, I enjoy rodeo and that's that's my life. It's my lifestyle. And mm. and he and he said, no, no chance. Um, I don't need you to ride any of that. I don't, you know, need you to be giving up what, what you love and stuff. And anyways, that was a few months what went by again and I walked into the office and I said, I want to start riding. And I said, I, I, I don't care. We say I'm going to start riding. Mm. And he was like, all right then, no worries. And then um, I think it was like my second or third morning riding work, he had me out on the grass doing gallops mm. straight away. Um, and then it wasn't long after that um, I said, I, I think I do want to be an apprentice. <laughs> and he said, he laughed at me and he said, well, if that's what you want to do, he said, best you um, up and go to the country and, and, you know, try and make a good go of it because mm. it's too hard in Kembla to start. Mm. And um, and then it wasn't long after that where one of my friends was actually working for Todd at the time and um, had been with Todd for 15 years and I, I basically just slipped straight in there and um, quite quickly and quite easily. So I was pretty blessed that way. Mm. Now, Kerry Parker, of course, uh, continues to, to enjoy success. I know you keep a close eye on his horses and you would yes. have been delighted to see him train the winner 
of the Group 1 George Ryder Stakes recently. Yes, I was absolutely stoked for him. Um, Kerry and I have stayed quite close every time I see him. Um, you know, always say good day and have a yarn to him. And um, he he actually, uh, about two years ago, he offered to take me on if I wanted to go home and be an apprentice again um, in Kembla. Mm. And um, he, he didn't know that I'd bought a property and stuff up here. But, you know, he, he's always been good to me. He's, he's gave me rides through my apprenticeship too. So, mm. yeah, no, he's been great. You came out of your time only weeks ago. Looking back on it now, is it fair to say you had a rewarding and fulfilling apprenticeship in the care of Todd Howlett? Yes, definitely. Um, from the very start, Todd was always supportive and he had horses in for me, only like strictly for me to only ride. And I thought that was very helpful. And um, through the apprenticeship, Todd never stopped me from going anywhere. If I had one ride at Grafton in an apprentice race, he, there was no questions. He would let, let me go. And mm. it was that was a regular occurrence, just trying to build connections and, and going long places for one and two rides. And I think uh, by Todd letting me do that through my time has mm. made me um, the rider I am now to have mm. connections in every district. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it generally would nearly always pay off. You have to go all that way for one ride. Most, a lot of the times they did win. I was very lucky. Mm. Um, but through my apprenticeship, um, as the, my time went, went on with Todd, he, um, you know, he made things easier for me. Like he stopped afternoons and if I was going a long way away, he'd give me the morning off the next morning or that morning, yeah. whatever was easier for me. Mm. Poor yeah. old Todd was involved in a terrible accident in his horse track only about a month ago on his way to the Musselbrook track early yes. morning in the dark, I think, and he yes. was very lucky to escape serious injury. Yeah, he was very lucky. I was um, supposed to meeting at the track that morning and it happened about 4.30 and I got the call at about 5 and mm. I jumped straight in the car and went down there to help him out. Um, the horses were still on the truck at that time and, um, yeah, it was – it was terrible, but Todd's very lucky and, you know, the horses are very lucky and to see that and to see Todd come out of it was just unbelievable. You really had someone looking over him. Mm. Well, your apprenticeship is over, the claim is all gone and now you're a fully-fledged jockey and you know the hard work is just beginning. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, I... I worked very hard in my apprenticeship and, and I said that to my mum. I said, you think I've been working hard? I said, it's just about to get harder. Mm. Um, but, um, no, I'm, I, I enjoy it and I think that's the main part because if you're doing something you don't enjoy, of course it's harder. So, you know, I'm prepared for that. Your riding debut was pretty low-key, Michaela. You finished well back in a Tamworth maiden on a mare called Miss Incognito. And that's almost six years ago, but you've got to start somewhere. Yes, um, Todd had her in for me to ride, and um, and she was just one that was just the perfect ride. She was easy. She was just going to follow him around, put me in amongst them, and and that's mm. what she did. She wasn't much good, but she let me have my first race ride, which was pretty easy. Well, it was only a month later when you rode your first winner, and the horse wasn't trained by your boss. That distinction goes to Tony Newing, who puts you on a horse called Lester's Home 
on that little track at Kempsey, Warwick Park. Now, you must have been showing a bit of ability, Michaela, for an outside stable to put a ride your way. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. I, I don't really know how I got the ride that day for Tony. Um, he rang Todd and, and asked if I could go up to Kempsey for the one ride and, and of course, Todd, Todd was all for it. Um, and it was just a – he was a very easy horse to ride. He, yeah, I sat in behind the speed and they mm. always fan at Kempsey. I always come off the fence and I got the split and mm. off I went. So it was yeah. – it was yeah, it was pretty good. Your career tally during your apprenticeship was a very healthy 260 in five and a half years of riding. You must be tickle pink with that. Yeah, yeah, um, I definitely am. Every every season has gotten better and better for me. I've I've been able to set goals and um, you know reach those goals and ride more winners every season. So um, I I think I'm pretty lucky to ride that many winners through my apprenticeship. Well, you've won fifty or fifty one already this season, and last season I think you got to sixty three, which was your best ever tally, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Mm. So well, hopefully I'm, I can outdo it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're away to a flyer, aren't you, at 50 or 51 already with several months to go? Yep, hopefully. I'm guessing the highlight so far was to win on Nick's Vendetta in a tab highway at Warwick Farm in July 2017, and that was your very first ride in the city. Doesn't get any better than that. No, exactly. Um, of course, I'd been riding Nick right through um, his preparations with Todd, so I knew him very well. Um, and it was probably the perfect ride for me to have my first ride in town. And um, I am really good friends with, with his owner, Jack. And it, everything just, you know, panned out so well. And um, it was just a, it was just a fairy tale. It's not very often that you have the opportunity like that, especially on your first race ride in town. So I was really lucky. Well, it was only nine months later when you won another highway on Nick's Vendetta and this time it was at Royal Randwick, which must have given you an even bigger thrill. Oh, that, that certainly was a thrill that, that day. Um, he, um, he was a great horse for Todd and, um, you know, he, he, he really gave me a lot of thrills through for, for my career. So, no, he, it was a great day that day. Now, you told me uh, off air that he is probably the best horse you've ridden. Yeah, I, I 100% think he has and been the best horse that I have ridden. But um, through his career, he had two knee operations and I really think, you know, of course, that held him back. And early days as a two- and three-year-old, he was, he was something special and it's just mm. a shame that things like that happen. Your very first ride in a race on a horse called Too Big Fari was a winner and that was in a benchmark at Rose Hill last November. You got him home in a very, very smart field. In fact, great news ran second. She's almost certain to run one of the favourites in the provincial championship final shortly and Fulmina ran third. That was a hot lot. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, I've had a lot to do with Too Big Fari, of course, being in Todd's stable Um and, you know, I've trialled him up as a young horse and then um, I didn't get the opportunity to ride him race day. Uh, and then Jack turned around and, and said, you know, he'd love to claim. So they, they threw me on. And, of course, not knowing the horse so well helps. 
And, um, no, he, he was really tough at that day, especially after being ran off the track by great mm. news. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, it was a terrific day and that would probably be the highlight of my career. You utilised your claim to win a tab highway at Rose Hill at the end of 2019 on a horse called Run Like a Rebel for the Braidwood trainer, Aaron Clark. Now, on the day, you were only able to use two kilos of your claim but it got you the ride. Yes, um, it was a a bit of a, a pickup ride, really. Um, Rachel King couldn't ride her, um, so uh, that they called me up, and um, it was a bit of a surprise too because she was at some price that day too. Mm. So um, no, it ran really well. I don't actually know where the horse is now. I don't think I've seen a run for a while, but no, it actually went terrific that day. Michaela, I'll just get you to stand by for a moment while we clear a commitment. On the podcast, back shortly. A stunning boutique catalogue of 60 race fillies and broodmares has been put together for the English Chairman's Sale at Riverside on Friday night, May the 7th. The Chairman's Spectacular will be the culmination of a memorable week, which will also take in the Australian Weanling Sale and the Australian Broodmare Sale. The Chairman's Catalogue features Group 1 winning mares like Natoya, Celebrity Queen, Pippi, In Her Time, who's in Fall Do I Am Invincible, El Dorado Dreaming, and Dan's Dan's Dance. Another headliner will be Angel of Truth's Dam, Scarlettini, who'll be offered in Fall to Fastnet Rock. Many stakes winning mares will be offered, and there are siblings to the likes of Sunlight and Forbidden Love. There'll be a buzz in the auditorium when Kerr Cheval enters the ring. She's a half-sister by Schnitzel to world champion Winks, and she's in full to Capitalist. Wildcard entries for the chairman's sale remain open until April 23rd. It's Friday night, May 7. English presents a unique sale in a unique atmosphere. The 2021 chairman's sale. My special guest is Michaela Weir. Margie B was another city winner for you recently at Warwick Farm, trained by the very capable Kristen Buchanan. Yes. Um, she. I rode um, Margie B um, previously and went one on her and then um, she went somewhere else and um, was a little bit tough for her and then she went back to the midweeker and ran terrific. Um, so, no, Margie B, it was a, she's a really not nice horse and she'll be back soon too. So, no, I'm looking forward to her coming back. We mentioned earlier that you won the Wellington Town Plate last weekend for Mark Connors and it was Mark who put you on another city winner not long ago at Canterbury by the name of Celtic Love. Yep, um, that was a little bit of a surprise that day too. Um, you know, she she had a great run through, through the race but she really didn't travel through the soft ground that day and um, it was only late that she started to find her legs and go through her gears and, and she only just knocked them on the line. So that, that, that was great that, that night. Mm. You've won a couple of races on Dalmatia Prince, who's been a very good horse for Todd Howlett. One of those wins was at Canterbury. Yeah, Dal has been a very good horse um, to our stable and to me. Um, I've won three races on him. Um, and actually, he was my last ride for Todd as an apprentice at Canterbury um, on the Friday night four weeks ago. And 
he only just got beat by point two, which was a shame because it would have been a little bit of a fairy tale. But um, no, he he has been a really good horse to to us, and he he's a lovely horse too. Another Roundwick winner you rode was Prince Mated for Cult Prosser, who trains his horses at Warhope. That might have been on the Kensington track, was it? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's been a great old horse to Colt as well. You know, he's um, he's won a few races in town, and um, Colt's been a big supporter of mine too through through my apprenticeship, and and still now I actually rode one for him yesterday. So no, that 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 was good to ride a winner in town for him. The Rising Stars series for apprentice riders has been a great initiative by Racing New South Wales and the 2021 edition uh, recently concluded. The final leg didn't happen. I think it was washed out. But you had an unassailable points lead over young Dylan Gibbons and you were never going to get beaten. No, um I actually said to my manager, I, I didn't realise um, early in the piece that I was leading it and then um, once an article come out, I, I said to my manager, being my last year of my apprenticeship, I'd really like to give this a crack just to tick, it up, tick the box off and mm. he said, no no worries, you know, we'll, we'll give it a go and, um, you know, there was a heat. There was a heat at Nowra and I didn't have rides at Nowra and I was going to Port Macquarie that day and mm. the meeting actually got washed out and I'd stayed at my mum's in, in Kembla after the races on the Saturday and I actually texted Gary Portelli because he didn't have a rider on in the apprentice race and said if he needed a rider and he said, you're on. So <laughs> Did he? I went, yeah. yeah, I went down to Nowra on my day off after, you know, I was supposed to go to Port Macquarie and you know, I, I really appreciate um, him for doing that because that's probably what got me over the line, you know, because I wasn't supposed to be in that heat and um, it just put me that far in front that no one could catch me. Yeah, good on you, Gary. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Gary's been a great supporter of the female jockeys and uh, he's a wonderful fan of Cathy O'Hara's and we'll talk about Cathy a little later. Now, Casper Boy is by no means the best horse you've ever ridden but he's probably the horse on whom you've won the most races, six in total, and all over the place, Armadale, Gosford, Mudgee, Gunnedah, Tamworth and Moree, and you'd go anywhere to ride him. You, you must have liked him. Yeah, he, he has been a great horse for Jane. Uh, Jane Clements is probably my biggest supporter. Um, they put me on everything in their stables. They're actually family friends of mine for a very long time. Mm. And um, Casper, um, Jane broke him in and um, and started him, of course, and he's always been a really nice horse when he started. And um, as he went along and progressed, he just turned into a, such a nice horse. And every time Jane stepped him out, he stepped up to the mark, whether we were going, you know, up into a higher benchmark race or when he went to Gosford, you know, mm. he um, he's just an honest horse and um, he is a lovely horse and it, it's been a pleasure to have, you know, that many wins on him. Yeah. Well, you won five races on another lovely old boy, Urella boy. Uh, two at Newcastle, one at Gosford, one at Scone, one at Port Macquarie. Michaela, it's hard to get uh, to find a horse that you can win two or three on. Five and six is a great effort. Yeah, it's it's awesome to be honest. Um, Urella boy, he's he's been a great horse for Todd, and Todd the uncle actually owns him. Um, and he's, you know, he's never been up to the mark of, of town horses and, but he's always been thereabouts and, um, he's been a great horse over the years for me when I was claiming as an apprentice and, 
Um, it's a shame he was actually in that accident the other day. Mm. Um, but no, he, he has been a really nice horse. The, those two horses, Casper Boy and Urala Boy, have been very good to me. Yep. Well, 11 wins between them with Michaela Weir on board. Yeah. Now, you must have been delighted to win three races on a mare called Ondo Passa for the veteran Wyong trainer Stan Thomas. I think Stan announced his retirement only recently. Now, one of those wins, I think at Wyong, and I happened to be watching it, she came home like winks. <laughs> yeah, she she was a great old horse. Um, she was she was as honest as the day is long, um, and she was such a lovely ride. She um, Stan was very good, good to me as well. He would always put me on and always um, ring ahead a long way out to make sure that I could ride her. Um, she's actually finished up as well, and I think that's why Stan um, announced his retirement because he only had her in work. Mm. Um, but, no, she, she was a great horse. There's a nice little story about Ondo Passa. Joe Pride had that mare early on. He may have won a maiden with her. Stan actually bought her and raced her for another four years, and in that time she won another seven races and ran 14 placings, and she won more than $200,000 for Stan Thomas. He got so much fun out of her. He, he really did, and, you know, she's only a little mare. She's she's so small, um, and for her to do so much and just have such a big heart, you know, Stan really hit the jackpot with her. Now, the fellow female jockey who's been a role model of sorts to you is the evergreen Cathy O'Hara who must be getting close to 20 years now as a professional jockey in Sydney. She's having one of her best ever seasons at the moment. And it's interesting to note, Michaela, that your style isn't unlike that of Cathy. Yeah, I, um, I've, I've always tried to um, think that you should try and look like someone that is, you know, similar to you. And um, Cathy and I, I think, are, you know, pretty similar in build and, um, I've always thought she was a good one to try and be like because we are so similar because, there's, you know, I, I'm not nothing like Rachel King, so there's no point in me trying to look like her. Mm. So, um, you know, I think that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, she's, she's always been a role model to me. She's always helped me. You know, we get on quite well. Um, but, yeah, she, she's been great over the years. Mm. Let me throw a few trainers' names at you, people who've given you great support. You mentioned Jane Clement a short time ago. I presume Jim Clement is Jane's dad. Yes, it is, yes. Well, what about Jim Clement? Uh, he was a Michaela Weir fan. Um, I, I think early, early days, yes, he was, um, hmm. but mainly Jane, yes. Yep. Right, and you'd often turn up at Armadale, wouldn't you? Uh, yes. The Northwestern <laughs> yeah. meetings, yep. Yes, always go up that way for, for Jane, um, of course. So whenever Jane needed me to go up that way, I was always up there. You've done a fair bit of riding for Paul Perry at Newcastle and on outside tracks. Yes. Um, Paul supported me early days um, when I first started riding um, and then through my apprenticeship, you know, I was always thrown on one here and there and 
um, you know, the last 12 months, they've really given me a, a good go. Mm. And um, and Nathan and his wife have, have really been big supporters as well of mine. So mm. um, they've been very helpful and they've been very helpful of me coming out of my time um, and still putting me on and giving me winners. So, mm. that, that, yeah, I've been very lucky there. Whenever you show up at a Western meeting, Gaynor Williams comes looking for you. Yeah, um, Gaina, she I don't think she realises how much um, help she has been to my career. She, I was riding for Gaina um, as I was claiming throughout and I, I went on a horse for her um, and it was my last ride as a claiming apprentice in the country mm-hmm. and it, it went to a Mudgee meeting and it was top weight. And um, she had already booked me before I lost my claim. And my manager rang her and said, um, just letting you know, Michaela has lost her claim. Um, It's fine if you want to take her off and and book someone else. You know, we understand that. And she said, no, no, no. You know, I wanted to stay on. And she put me on two horses that day, Miss Hugo, a go-go. And um, both of them horses won on the first day of me not claiming um, for, for Gainer. So that was massive. Yep, well, that was the ultimate compliment, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Terry Croft, Warren Gavinlock and Ross Stitt uh, have been very supportive. Yes, um, Terry has been a great supporter. Um, He's from Hawkesbury and he's always bring horses up this way um, and all out west and I would generally ride them for him. Um, I've had a lot of success for him as well. Uh, Ross Stitt, um, of course, from Taree, um, put me on through my apprenticeship as well and has stayed on board. I actually rode um, two horses for him yesterday. Mm. Yeah, so no, the, a lot of people like that. Warren Gavinlock, he was um, he supported me for a long time too. Actually, I haven't rode for Warren for a long time, but he says to me, we've, we've got to catch up, we've got to catch up. So mm-hmm. I see you all the time. I still have a yarn to him, of course. There's a lot of great memories with him. And him. Mm. Um, but, yeah. You're one of the lucky ones when it comes to riding weight. 52.5 kilos, if required, without even trying. Yep, um, very lucky. I've always sort of been 52, 52 and a half since I was about 17. Mm. Um, And, you know, my weight really hasn't changed much from there and that's just doing whatever I want, eating whatever I want. So... It's, it is very easy for me to be that weight when I have to travel as far as I do because it's nice to jump in the car and go get a coffee and, you know, sip on that all the way to the races and grab something to eat. So that in that aspect, it makes it very easy. Mm. Now, I believe Jock has been wonderfully understanding of your busy life as a jockey and the amount of time you're away from home. Yeah, he's, he's very understanding. He... Um, he does a lot around here to keep the property running um, when I'm not here because if I'm riding, you know, consistently for three, four, five days, it's very hard for me to, to keep on top of uh, things here. So he's um, very supportive. You know, if I've got to stay away um, to go from meeting to meeting, everything will be done at home and mm. um, everything, you know, will be fed and watered and looked after. And, you know, he's, he's very supportive and, and he's very understanding that this is my life and racing is my life. Mm. And has he developed a serious interest in racing? He has, yeah. Um, 
He he's just get taking his um his approved riders license out. He's he's going to come to the track um and do some ponying for Todd, mm. um just to learn what it's about. And eventually, I think he wants to do a little bit of clerking. But mm. that's really you know the only side he can get into it. But no, he, he is definitely a little bit interested. Mm. Now tell me about the property you and Jock are developing at Jerry's Plains, one hundred um, acres of good Hunter Valley country. And I hear you've been busy building some infrastructure. What exactly yeah. have you been up to? Um, so I bought this property. Um, I've been here for nearly five years now. Um, and I've slowly been developing it. And um, I've put up a 15 by 30 barn mm. um, for 12 boxes. And my boxes have gone in. Um, I've put in an arena. Um, you know, lots of water tanks, lots of fencing, day yards, um, shelters, and I'm setting up the property to um, to train myself one, one day once I'm finished riding. So that's the plan to to have all this done while I'm riding, and then when I come out of my time of uh, uh, riding, sorry, um, that I'll be able to um, just hopefully everything that be done and walk straight into that. Mm. Well, you work at, at a hell of a pace and you travel a million miles. Have you put a time frame on that riding career? Oh, not really. A lot of people do ask me that. Um, you know, I'd say I'd reassess at 30 and now that I'm getting closer to 30, I'd probably say 35. But mm. I think that, I think the best way to judge it is, is how how the rides are going and if I'm still getting rides and, 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 you know, still riding winners, well, you know, mm. it's hard to give up if you're going so well, isn't it? I've seen you many times on Sky Racing, punching the winners home, Michaela, and I've had you on my short list for a podcast interview for a long time. And at the Tuncurry Foster Cup meeting in 2019, I all but wandered over and had a yarn with you, but you were on your way to talk to some owners and trainers before one of your rides on the day, and I thought better of it. But next time I run into you at a bush meeting, I'll come and say hello. Oh, most certainly. That would be lovely. Michaela, appreciate your time. It is Good Friday after all, and you've had one hell of a week. Congratulations on all you've achieved, and I hope there are many more winners in store. Thanks for joining us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thank you for having me.